we tend to mandate the use of technology. You should be um, using social media in this manner. You should be talking about this on social media, stuff like that. No, it's wrong, right? Leave it open for the people. Welcome, everyone. Today we have an esteemed guest, uh, Julian. Uh, is it okay to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, thank you, Azan, for my, having me on, on your show. Um, I started Peopleizer in 2020, so peopleizer.org, and I am specialized or expert slash expert in change management. I've been doing change management in 20, uh, during 25 years, which consists in bringing change inside organization or different contexts. That's me. Okay, so you see that in the world today we have like a lot of talk about uh, decentralization. What does it actually entail? Like when people say decentralization of like, for example, a money or like uh, uh, organizational structure or something like that, what does it mean actually? Yeah, exactly. So people tend to use terms without really understanding them sometimes. It's good to step back. And I think it's what we want to do during this podcast is stepping back a bit on decentralization, give a bit more context to people so that when they think about decentralization, when they want to decentralize something, they actually get a better understanding of what is it and, and what they can do about it, right? So when we talk about centraliza decentralization, we also need to talk about centralization. Because at the end of the day, if you want to decentralize, it's because something has been centralized in the first place. Otherwise, you wouldn't even ask yourself the question or, or think about decentralization, decentralizing something. And so in terms of, uh, term of centralization, it's really about... Um, what we what we observe, right? So I see centralization of wealth, centralization of information, centralization of strength in terms of um, human or technological strength, um, centralization of decision making, uh, and you could link that to information, but it's it's a it's a type of centralization, and centralization of the capability of control, basically, right? So this is the centralization that we tend to observe in in the current world. And so from a practical angle, what do you see, right? You see centralization of money, for instance, of wealth uh, within a, a certain number of persons, centralization inside organization, corporation, right? Centralization, for instance, in terms of asset management, right? When you think about BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, right? Um, so these are different types of, of centralization that you can observe, but they all come back to similar pattern around information, wealth, um, strength. Uh, and, and so when we think about decentralization, it, it's usually those stuff that we want to address. Uh, but I would I would help, I would advise the people to also step back around say I want to decentralize. Why do you want to decentralize? And I think I think the Yeah the I mean reason... like the, the question is is it like what makes uh, centralization good or bad and uh, why decentralization because some people perceive that centralization is always bad. And maybe decentralization is always good. So is this true? Hmm. I think it's about risk management, right? So when you look at centralization, um, let, let's say we, we live in a village, right? And some of the people start to centralize the wealth or all the resources, right? And as we observe them to gather the resources and the wood, the water, whatsoever, we tend to think for ourselves like, hmm, there might be a risk actually, because I start to have nothing, right? And they start to have everything and I start to have nothing. It's a bit what's happening in the world when 
Uh, for instance, you look at the wealth of the 1%, the, the people are super rich, um, increasing their wealth more and more and more and more, right? As, as you can see it through the statistic. Um, but then the other people are like, okay, the wealth is going towards those people, but what about me? So I think centralization is actually a risk, right? You, and it's because we perceive it as a potential risk, a risk that, um, I don't know, we own nothing or we don't have access to information. But it's, at the end of the day, if you look at the pattern, it's the risk of not having access to something anymore, right? You used to have access to something that used to be available at your level here, right? In the village, I used to have it in my house. Now it's centralized somewhere. And, and as we perceive a risk, we think about decentralizing, right? And then we go into action to decentralize. If we think about centralization or decentralization, let's say, for example, maybe someone will argue that it will it might create chaos. Is, is this like possible? Like, let's say, for example, uh, we're managing in the village, we're managing like the water, water utility of the village. So mm. is there like an aspect to centralization that might be useful? So I think your question is excellent as that, right? Because it's true that some people will think that if you decentralize, if you actually um, kind of empower the people at the edge, then there will be chaos. So actually what you can do to prevent, so, so usually it, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a fear that does not happen. So it's in your head that you think this. But if you actually let it happen in reality, chaos will not happen. So I remember um, um, there, there was a there, there was a forum, right? And basically, uh, you remember the the pong game, right? Uh, the pong game of uh, the ball bouncing between uh, two two walls, right? And the experience they did was that in the room, people had card. They had the blue and red card, right? Everyone had the blue and red card, and so. What they did is that those with the blue card controlled the right band, okay? Those with the red card controlled the left band. And so it was randomly assigned to people, right? But yet people managed to actually play the game. So can you imagine, right? There was no defined rule and stuff like that, yet they were able to, by showing the blue card or red card, to control the, the band on, on the screen in front of them. And there was around, I think, 500 people in the room. Meaning that, if you think about it, you would you would think you tend to think that there would be total chaos, that the game wouldn't even work because people are not able. There's so many cards, right? So many people, and and they can't communicate between each other. They have this like it's not possible. 500 people, yet everything was working. M meaning that we always have a preconception of of. Okay, what will happen? But actually, it doesn't turn in in, in this manner. So what we would... could do, what we could do, hmm. just let me, let me add on that. We could do is usually you could um, create some principles, uh, some codes, basically some uh, basic rules um, that people need to respect, and that help to frame the system to 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 create some boundaries. But at the same time, you don't want to control too much a system because you don't know what will happen. So let let it go first see how it, uh, thing, things turn out and then put rules if necessary. Don't put rules from scratch. It, it's always, a, um, we, we tend to be control freak, unfortunately. It's the way we've been educated by the system and we tend to put rules everywhere. 
it's it's not beneficial so for us. i was actually just going to ask you about this like is it okay if then then maybe that we have like a set ground rules and then but the, like the idea that you mentioned is very important that if we try to estimate what will happen in the future maybe we will over regulate uh so it's better that uh the rules be introduced uh as needed basically exactly and I, and I think elon must mention something about like also maybe there should be a mechanism to also remove all the regulation that is no longer valid because you see all this uh, actually on youtube there is a lot of videos about this uh, mm. people breaking rules that are very ridiculous because they are like 200 years old 100 years old yeah. so yeah so, so, I so think, yeah so so it's important what, what you're touching again it's very important so when we think about decentralization we we need to think about it in a context and the context usually is a lot of laws right they we are um, I don't know the case in, in Indonesia, but in Europe, we end up with system. It is pretty in France, in Spain, uh, where we are over-regulated. There's regulation everywhere, right? Uh, and and when, when I dig into those regulation, when I look at the regulation, it's 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 basically hundreds of pages of, of uh, um, legal jargon, right? Which is, most of the people don't understand it. And so in this context, what I would advise is, um, start from scratch. It's it's almost that we need to start from scratch. And I think that's the reason also we, we go into crisis and chaos. Uh, and then uh, as a crisis happen or chaos happen, we often start back from scratch, right? Create a new system. Why? Because it's often impossible to find out what you need to remove from the previous system. It, it's just too complicated. Like, let, let's try to remove regulation. Okay, which one to remove first? It's impossible. You, you cannot tell. Because the system has been, but it was done on purpose to create insane regulation so that we've got a, a whole legal system that actually feed on, on, on this uh, um, jargon and complexity to make money, right? Uh, but I would advise to um, sometime forget about the existing system, create something new from scratch, and as you say, right, see how the things behave, uh, and then Put rules if necessary. Don't think in terms of rule first. Let the system play as it should play and then see how it behaves and put rules or cause or principle if necessary. Is there like an, a very good example to illustrate this, like in practicality? Like in real life? Um, yeah, sure, sure. So, so. Um, so I, I, I used to do, well, I still do, but change management inside the organization. And um, as we try to empower to decentralize decision making. So, so let's imagine we have a team of 10 people, um, classic team of 10 people in, in, in the companies. There's a boss, okay? The boss is taking most of the decision for the 10 people. You need to do this, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we start to change. We want to decentralize um, decision making. So instead of having the guy, the boss, taking the decision all the time, we start to look at what are the, the type of decision that you need to take. And we start to let the team decide. And what we will do, we won't put any rules. But regarding those type of decision, let's say we've got five types of decision to take on a weekly basis. Let's say decision number one, type number one and two will be delegated to the team from now on. And so as the team start to gain new responsibility, we have decentralized uh, uh, decision-making, we see how the team behave. Is the team able actually to take decision? And what's the quality of the decision-making of the team, right? When they take a decision, right? And so based on the result, we, we, we adapt. 
but this is just a one simple example of and and some of the people think no it's not possible the boss has to, has to take the decision no most of the time the actually the boss is taking decisions which are actually better taken at the level of the team why because they have information so why would the information need to go to the boss for him to take a decision when the team can already take the decision and potentially get it validated by the boss that's it just so, see the... so would you say that the decentralization is more uh, to a flat structure compared to centralization which is more like a pyramid structure yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's a there's a concept of, of of structure yeah definitely but it's because I think from a structure perspective so um my my experience is also in system design system thinking. So when I think about centralization or decentralization, I look at all the parts of, of these topics and how they interact between each other, right? So that I get a view of the structure and then it's very easy after to implement centralization or decentralization. If you want to decentralize information, let's take an example, for instance, right? If we look at the information industry and especially uh, you look at the, the news industry, You've got um, mainstream media centralizing centralizing information, basically pushing in information to other people. If you look back like 50 years ago, there used to be a lot of newspaper, right? Uh, if you take the US, there was basically local newspaper everywhere. So local point of information basically being emitted. Now it's more centralized into uh, ABC, CSBC, and also CNN, uh, all those mainstream media. But then if you look at that, what was the structure and how can we start decentralizing in, in information, right? Uh, and it's what's happening, for instance, through, I don't know, um, alternative media like Patreon, Substack, where people become the, the point of emission for information, basically, right? So you, you basically almost decentralize journalism, but you just come back to the previous state, right? 50 years ago, it used to be like this. It's just that instead of being paper-based, now we move toward digital, right? Stuff like that. And maybe like also technology allows it to be like uh, down to the individual level. So instead of, for example, having the city level, it's like now up to the individual, like the, we have the individual yeah. and all this. Yeah, it's very and and, and we, we, we do see something paradoxical a bit, right? It's, it's that um, digital as, as digital enable uh, decentralization, right? As we see through um, uh, cryptos and stuff like that. But at the same time, there's still most of the time a central point behind the technology. Uh, and this is what we need to be extremely careful about because sometimes people are too enthusiastic about the tool and say, okay, um, crypto um, or, or whatever technology to decentralize. But they, they forget that actually when you look at the technology in detail, there's actually still a centralization point. Uh, and, and then if this stuff fell, if, if the risk really happened on this stuff, then it's game over for the rest, right? So the the, the, the challenge is really to create um, tools because this is what it is, right? It's a, like stuff like crypto are simple tools that enable really full decentralization without any centralized point at any time. This is, this is really the challenge because once you've created that, then it's full decentralization and, and it's really enabled to do fantastic stuff, right? You, you don't have, no one has the capability to come in the system and, and re-implement centralization at any point. And that's the key point. So it means that there's actually, in principle, 
there's no more risk that someone come in and then um, disproportionately accumulate leverage or disproportionately gather resources versus all other people. So this would you the... say, so from that perspective, would you say that something like the CBDC, like the centralized uh, digital bank uh, currencies, uh, would this might carry a, a more risk, for, for example, because it's digital, but it's still this, uh, centralized? So there's mm. like maybe one single point of failure? So always see a, tools, a tool is neutral. Any tool, any technology is purely neutral, right? Now, what matters is what you do with this technology. Remember the IBM uh, point cards during uh, the, um, the the Holocaust, right? The IBM machine was used to actually track uh, prisoner in uh, death camp, right? Uh, but it's just a machine, it's neutral, but it was uh, used for a really bad idea, a bad aim. Uh, and, and so it's the same for CBDCs. CBDCs is purely neutral. Um, in principle, when you think about it, well, having digital money could be actually much uh, more um, more convenient for the people, right? So it's like you've got it on your phone and then you can transfer very quickly. The exchange fee or transaction fee should be extremely low. You've got potential traceability. It means you can do your accounting in a much better way. You can trace back what you've been paying this month and stuff like that. But at the same time, it depends also on the mindset and the people who are behind. Because don't forget that this technology is not actually decentralized. It's not, it's centralized in, into the end of central banks. Uh, and so it means when something is centralized, there's people behind. It's not like there's an AI, we've created an AI that is able to manage CBDCs. No, far from that. It's physical people, right? It's, it's the, the head of the ECB and the, the Fed uh, and uh, the, the Bank of England, right? Or that govern how CBDCs will be used. And so when people come on a show or go in forums like the uh, World Governance Summit or the IMF Summit or the World Bank Summit uh, and tell you that with CBDC, you'll be able to program what people buy uh, and what people don't buy, then you should start to be worried. And again, coming back to our approach, it's purely risk management. From the moment they be able to actually program what I can buy in a store, uh, what product or services I can procure, then what do you think about yourself, right? Uh, so like there, there is a risk for you, right? So are you ready to run this risk? If you're not ready to run the risk, then maybe think about adopting or not adopting the technology in the first place, right? Yeah. So do you think that like, for example, we have to have like a nuanced approach to everything because like the, as you mentioned, like technology is neutral at, at the end of the day. So so basically, for example, CBDC maybe can be used uh, to empower people who are like, don't have uh, don't have the ability to open banks as easily or bank accounts. Maybe they, they will be able to open uh, someone. So yeah, maybe there is like a good side to it in a way. Hmm. But, uh, and also maybe itself like uh, digitize, digitizing the money, maybe it will allow people also to, for example, um, to onboard the uh, decentralized technologies, right? So maybe like some some centralized technologies can accelerate the adoption of decentralized ones because like the, the people who go into this digitalized uh, era, like for example, it's yeah. similar to how the news, like uh, all this uh, mainstream news, like let's say for example, the New York Times, when they went from, uh, from print to digital, people started sharing these links. 
and then uh, people instead of for example sharing the links on uh, social media then they started to put their own spin on the news and then the people started to be the source of the news like the influencers and whatnot so yeah there's sometimes maybe like there's a mix of the two and like maybe mm -hmm. the evolution like some form of evolution and how they progress yeah that's that's a good point when you basically deploy new technology in your system a bit like uh, with the deployment of chat gpt and ai right you actually don't see all the use case from day one right you are from a so the guy thinking about centralization and deploying the system think that the system should be used in a given manner and so he will usually uh, as we saw in uh, see in the current system the, the current context now uh, the people um, having the centralization and deploying their own system mandate the use of the system. You need to use the system in this manner. But what happened? Usually there's people that don't want to use the system in this manner. So they think about creative ways to use the system. Because why I should use the system in, in, in the way you say it? No, I want to use the system in the way it benefits me. And I want to use it in this manner, on this manner, right? This this is what we this is what this is where society has been going wrong in, in in a way right instead of deploying technology so that people can bet, make best use of it right for their own interest and 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 whatever they, they need we tend to mandate the use of technology you should be um, using social media in this manner you should be talking about this on social media stuff like that no it's wrong right leave it open for the people to so it's like um, the, we're coming back to the regulation also right like basically mm -hmm. so in this manner like these technologies are deployed but they are actually basically regulated before being deployed so that's i think that's the, the problem here Very yeah but it, it comes back to who is deploying those technology and for what purpose because at the end of the day if you look at this story and, and especially the 120 uh 120 last year, it 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 has been deployment of technology or domain or whatever in a, in a very strategic manner that benefits a, a number of people and doesn't benefit the rest, unfortunately. Uh, this is the pattern we see through history. Now the problem is that because um People don't read anymore, I would say, or people don't don't research anymore. They they don't see that. They they see it as a new tool that is cool and will be uh, easier for life, and that's the way it is mostly presented to people most of the time. Uh, it will be more convenient. Um, you'll be protected from hackers, uh, and that's the reason why your banking system or your bank currently talk to you about hacking all the time because they prepare you for the introduction of CBDCs. They want you to be scared and so i prepared the problem to talk to you about the solution which will be cbdc's will be safe uh will be convenient but unfortunately um it's also about uh control uh and not your personal interest so you need to be careful it it, it belongs to people are responsible it's for them to take the decision but they need to take the best decision for themselves uh, and i would say yeah you can you can you can go for it and, and try it, but you will see what happened. But for all those who are capable, it's very important. This message I think is super important is for all those who are capable to build solution, try try to engage yourself in, in, into doing something, basically uh, participate in startups, create um, a new product, whatever, do something. Because there's a, there's a lot of things that remain to be done. And when we see the capabilities that are uh, available like uh, AI and stuff like that, 
we can do fantastic stuff, right, for, for the people and for the need of the people. So there's no problem with that. It's so just so that does the Pupilizer, like, uh, mission fit into this? Or, like, what does actually Pupilizer, like, uh, mission is? Oh, def definitely. So um, the, the goal of Pupilizer is to help people to transition toward a world where we put money on the back seat and on the driver's seat, we put our well-being, meaning that we care more about our well-being and happiness than about just paper money, right? Because it's all what it is, right? Uh, and paper money benefit the guy who has the end on the printer and who owns the printer, right? And so in that context, in, inside people like there, you've got different, you've got a lot, wide range of solutions. But we've got, for instance, um, so you are talking about CBDCs. Um, we, we've got um, networks and organizations that create their own tokens, for instance. So, uh, for instance, if you work free uh, one hour, you get free tokens, right? So, basically, you are the money emission. By the fact of working, you, you basically create tokens. And those systems already exist. It's just that it is not easy to get them to fit inside society. But the, the value is actually very interesting in terms of like, okay, um, my time equal your time. So whatever we do, uh, be it a doctor or, or a surgeon or a clerk or a lawyer, the number of hours as, as an equivalent in terms of token, that's it, right? Um, and so this is one system existing. Um, I'm thinking about uh, decentralization of information, for instance, as well. There's um, CrowdBunker in France. So CrowdBunker basically was born as uh, an alternative to YouTube. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of French video platform, but the goal is to let information not be centralized, right? So basically there's a decentralization of information. There's no censorship on the platform. So there's no filtering. Uh, and it doesn't mean that people say bullshit. No, on contrary, again, you, you don't, so um, it determines like these filters in the system. Or sorry, is, is the the filters predetermined or uh, determine the filters? Like for example, for something like this, uh, on, on an ongoing basis. Hmm. So so they, they, there's no filtering on crowd bunker except those uh, the, the basic filtering, like for instance, uh, uh, bad words or bad by language and and stuff like that, right? Uh, but uh, if you look at a platform like YouTube, YouTube now pass all the content basically uh, as you upload, uh, and then whatever content does not uh, fit the narrative or does not uh, it does not align with the company policy, uh, they they just remove it. It's it's simple, right? Even if they don't censor it, uh, sometimes they just hinder its uh, distribution, like limit its distribution, and maybe they they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So the behind information management, uh, there's a whole uh, set of rules and regulation that we're actually not aware of it. Yeah, exactly, hidden rules that, that we, 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 we don't see. For us, we see the front end every time of the website, uh, be it YouTube and all those videos behind in the back end. There's, there's a lot of rules managing information. Um, yeah, definitely. Very nice. Okay, thanks uh, for sharing today. With us like this idea about the decentralization also like the concept about like how does like people like basically parameterize people over the, the systems themselves right over the tools is there any uh, way that people can reach you like should like is it uh, peopleizer.org right 
Yeah, they, they just go to people like the oh, but oh, the social media, they have like on social specific social media handles or something. So I, I, I'm mostly focused on uh, peoplelizer.org. There's a contact tab. Uh, they can contact me. Um, I, I make it easy for me to manage information as well. So I, I don't try to explain everywhere. There's a YouTube channel as well. But reach me through peoplelizer.org. And, 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 and last thing is that um, for all those who've been listening to this podcast and, and work to want to work on decentralization, go for it, right? document yourself, study a little bit on decentralization and centralization, but go do something because it's a fundamental domain of uh, what we do in society, right? Centralization of And it's almost also like starting, it's like almost like a revolution starting. So anything you do, hopefully will benefit society. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Adan. Yeah.